Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Today we're going to be talking about something that's received a lot of press over the last couple of years, uh, and that's the simulation argument that everything we're seeing and everything we're experiencing is just a simulation by some very advanced civilization. Are we actually going to be talking about that, or do we actually not exist and we're just a simulation? <laughs> I mean, it depends what you mean by exist. <laughs> huh. I, I'd, I'd say thinking it counts as existing. As always, but especially for this episode, we'd like to issue a disclaimer that we're just two music teachers who like to talk about highfalutin topics that are usually slightly beyond our area of expertise. Sometimes so, greatly. Sometimes greatly. <laughs> so if we say anything that's just uh, totally not true or off base, please uh, send us a, a nice email at, at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know how to fix it. Thanks so much. So, so what is this argument anyway, that everything's a simulation? Why is that? So actually, it's interesting. I, I, I think, myself included, I think most people kind of misunderstand what, what Nick Bostrom is arguing. So he's not arguing that there's any particular probability involved. Like he's not, he's specifically not making a judgment on that. He's just, he's just laying out three possibilities, uh, one of which has to be true. What are those possibilities? So the first possibility is that every civilization that has ever existed has destroyed themselves before they are able to reach the level of technology where they can create uh, a simulation that's indiscernible from reality. The second one is that every civilization that does reach that level of technology always becomes disinterested in creating that kind of simulation. Hmm. And the third is that we're living in a simulation. So he says one of those has to be true. Now, how does he get to that? It's based on the fact that if, if even if some technological civilizations produce simulations, those civilizations will produce so many simulations that they'll vastly outnumber the number of real, like real beings. The, the simulated beings will, will outnumber the, the real beings. And so the odds of you being a simulated being are, are way higher. Oh, okay. Yeah. In, unless we destroy ourselves before we create simulations or advanced civilizations just aren't, you know, don't give a shit about creating simulations. So then if we do have the technology to create simulations, uh, there we're almost certainly in a simulation just because of chance right right although the, yeah the, the interesting twist for me though is that uh you get into the problem of nested simulations hmm. and that's and that's an open question as to whether whether that could even happen and, and how far down it could go um and it, it's not it's not necessary for the similar simulation argument that you can have nested simulations because it could still, you know, each civilization that was capable of producing the simulations could still produce just a gigantic number. You know, if they have, uh, Dave Bostrom has numbers in his paper about, you know, uh, the human brain takes takes ten to the whatever uh, bits to to, to the fourteen uh, I think. represent. Yeah, yeah, and and a planetary sized computer would have uh, ten to the forty two. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so you could you Answer could to life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. 
um so yeah each each civilization could could theoretically produce like millions or you know some stupid number of, of simulations mm. um but i think what yeah one of the interesting consequences of of uh of there being nested simulations is that uh it would be the most likely that you're living in the terminology gets a little confusing because you either refer to it as the highest level or the lowest level mm -hmm. i think it makes more sense to refer to it as, as the highest level if you think about everything being like based on lower you know if you have like base reality the first real people are at the bottom right and then you have you know they simulate say they have like two simulations and each of those simulations simulate two other simulations and you know it's four and then eight <laughs> and sixteen right um well, i think there's you you mm, there might be a problem there because uh you run into the problem of processing power right 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 exactly um but yeah I, the question is i guess we we don't really know how far how far that could go mm -hmm. depends on the um yeah depends how how much processing power there was and, and how much it actually takes to simulate um you know, to run a simulation yeah. would you think that maybe in a, in a nested situation if you do have a chain that expands exponentially like that wouldn't each new simulation on the higher level be a lower resolution than the one on the previous level yeah so so that's that's uh sean carroll's argument for why why at least the nested simulation hypothesis uh doesn't work because the the top level simulated realities that would be the most numerous uh would be the lowest res and so we would expect ourselves to be in a very very low resolution simulation hmm. and that doesn't seem to be the world we're in as far as we can tell well yeah is, is there is that an arbitrary quantity though like like wh what would be low resolution yeah 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 right right because we, we don't have anything to compare it to really mm -hmm. like you can look at our world and you can see for example if there were a constant that prevents us from having a certain level of complexity or for example if you look at our biology and you see there are certain limits uh like don't our eyes work uh as like a frame rate right like they have their, they have their uh, i mean i think it would be your the, the parts of your brain that are processing the the visual information but right yeah, yeah. So, so there's like a, a maximum speed and then you could conceive of, of a system that had a higher maximum speed hmm. and so then compared to that we would be low resolution right that's interesting. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of like time resolution like that. I was thinking more in terms of, of like like the the blank length and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's it's possible that uh, you know all this all this microscopic stuff that we think we see with our with our microscopes and and you know the all the stuff that happens in particle colliders and that kind of thing, uh, you know, is is only actually. Uh, uh, computed when we're looking at it <laughs> otherwise it's just kind of compressed and it's just doing you know yeah. enough to to fool us that would save a lot of processing power right 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 and so so that was that was one of my first questions is so you're making a simulation now that simulation of the world that was has to be incomplete or else low resolution or both, right? Because if you want to simulate a system in its entirety, you need a system larger than that system in order to grasp all of it. But uh, the universe is expanding and information is being lost over time. So the world now is more complicated than the world of the future. How, how is information being lost? Be, be, because the galaxies are accelerating away from each other, 
that means that there are s stars that we can see now that later in our history we will not be able to see and that will continue to progress until all we can see is just our solar system and then from from there it'll just keep keep expanding until all you can see is like i don't know a, a, a particle <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah i forget exactly i think i think if i remember correctly that that only goes as far as our galaxy like it, it won't ever like tear apart our galaxy um you mean like in our lifetime or or in the no Earth's like lifetime? ever as far as i as far as i know how's how's that work how's there a, a cap on that uh well it has to do with how gravity and, and dark energy interact but i think i think it's that um i think i'm getting that right i could be wrong but i think it's that within the galaxy gravity is strong enough to to counteract the force of of dark energy huh i guess i, I kind of see what you're getting at because if if the only thing that's really being you know actively actively simulated is is what we see mm -hmm. then then things would be disappearing from the the simulation i guess when they when they disappear over the over the cosmic horizon yeah yeah like like let, let's let's use that simple example of stars that you can't see anymore in a future where they don't see the stars they don't have any way to know that those stars existed and so when they create the simulation it's going to leave those stars out right right unless they have unless unless they've they're a civilization that's been around for for billions of years and they have records of the time when you could see the other galaxies. yeah 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 <laughs> but you get my point right information is yeah. lost that, that's kind of the idea of entropy right maybe it is <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like pretty sure on that one <laughs> Okay, so we have a more complicated past than a future. So in order for a future system to simulate the past, it has to be either incomplete or low resolution. So incomplete could mean, like you were saying, it doesn't render the things that we're not using, such as like microbes unless we happen to be looking at them. Mm -hmm. uh, it could also be a simulation of just a single person's experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> anytime someone brings up uh, that idea of solipsism, like it's, it's usually just really like frowned upon as being really like juvenile and, and stupid. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but wouldn't that be the most efficient simulation? <laughs> Where it's just one person, literally just one person that actually has to be conscious, and then the rest of it can just be, you know. And it's it's me, right? It's always me, right? <laughs> Capital M me. <laughs> Did you ever read Breakfast of Champions by Vonnegut? Uh, yes, but it's been a it's been a while. It's good. There's a like a a CEO guy who thinks that's true of himself. He's the only real person, and everyone else is just a facade. Simulacrum. <laughs> yes. How, how how seriously do you take that idea? Of fake Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, fake Trevor. <laughs> it seems ludicrous to me. Yeah. It seems to me that in order to have an experience of consciousness at some point need to recognize that all of everything is also that same thing that you are mm -hmm. and so you can't be a, a facsimile if you're real on that really important fundamental level uh how does that apply to other people other people are made of the same stuff as i am right and so mm -hmm. they have to be the same. Well, you don't know that they're made of the same stuff you are. Yeah, that yeah, I do. Uh, How? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this goes back to the previous episode that things uh, that material is 
uh, rooted in non-materiality. That's true of everyone. That there's an ideological basis for all matter. Mm -hmm. And if that's true for my own experience, that seems like something that has to be extrapolated to all experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I yeah, I really don't know how to how to reconcile that with with the simulation theory. Hmm. That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, I mean, you could say that that things being ideas is the same as them being represented in code. Hmm. Could you? So that's a question. So he posits in the first part of this paper that sufficiently fine-grained simulations are conscious and to me that seems to have the implication that thinking is consciousness because what he's talking about here is the sufficiently fine-grained he says that you need to be able to represent synapses uh, that is mechanics that can represent thinking and if you have that then you have something that can be conscious yeah yeah i don't think we really know that i mean obviously consciousness has something to do with what's happening with synapses but it has to be i think i think you could have uh thinking without consciousness although it depends what you mean by thinking i guess Mm. so so for for not uh bostrom's uh, definition of, of what thinking would be in this context it's uh, synapses it's being able to represent the mechanics of of thinking uh, of mm-hmm. like neurons firing and that kind of thing yeah but it's it's not just re- representing those well it's representing those mechanics perfectly for the entire brain specifically right um, I don't know if he makes that distinction, but that, that might be a, a solid way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. He, all, all he mentions is that it is able to represent the thinking. He doesn't mention anything about being able to represent the entire system, but, um, mm-hmm. but that could be a, a valuable addition to his idea. Yeah, no, it's an inter- interesting question because I'm sure it, it wouldn't, there is some more efficient way to generate the same thing that's not capturing every single synapse, like that it's more compressed than that. Um, well, so, so what he talks about in the paper, right, is you have in the brain things that operate on a smaller scale than synapses, chemicals that float around and interact inside your brain that have really important roles and effects on how your brain operates but he says that you don't really need to go into that you don't have to describe each of those literally all that matters is if you get on the scale of the synapses and you have uh, programs that simulate the effect of those smaller scale structures you don't need the smaller scale structures Mm -hmm. yeah you can kind of just have an abstraction of those exactly yeah i I don't deny at all that that you can produce consciousness with uh with you know a a computer program like that yeah I i don't see any problem with that so a question for you Mm hmm if you make a simulation is the world of that simulation entirely predetermined? Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, because I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not even obvious whether our current, current, yeah, whether this reality, <laughs> as we see it, assuming it's not a simulation, is, is deterministic. So like mm-hmm. to extend that to whatever is simulating it if it's if it's being simulated uh theoretically uh wouldn't have to to follow the same rules at all Mm -hmm. like laws of physics whatever 
Ooh, how do you mean? I mean, theoretically, couldn't you simulate something that didn't a universe where where the the fundamental constants were different in some way? Mm, yes. And if you're just starting from scratch, you could you could uh, run the whole thing. Although I guess then you would really have to simulate like every every single you know mm. fundamental particle. So maybe that wouldn't <laughs> that wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like you know. If it's a simulation, then we have to assume that our simulators have the power to tweak it, right? Mm. So, does it does then being able to tweak it make it not deterministic? Hmm. Oh, yeah. So, so it's <laughs> their will that's being inserted into this mechanical oompa loompa <laughs> ride. <laughs> um, that's an interesting idea. Okay, so you could imagine that you're creating a simulation where it's ki kind of like the way people like build a virtual world for a game or something where you have a set of functions that happen and mm -hmm. take in the the input of the character and always react to it in a certain way mm -hmm. and that kind of world is pretty pretty deterministic right mm -hmm. especially especially if you don't have a character in it and it's just doing its thing right right and you could also have a, a sort of simulation where you have a set of functions but you don't know how they're going to play out and the way that you find out is by feeding it random data and seeing how those functions interact with that random data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, I mean, you you also get to the problem of, of actual random data is, is actually pretty hard to produce. Uh -huh. uh, a lot a lot of, like, in, in games especially, like, a lot of seemingly random things are generated by, like, pseudo-random number sequences that, like, repeat after a while, but... Mm. Um, you just give it like a seed and it spits out what looks like random numbers. Um, uh, but I think, I think I get your point. Um, yeah, it, it could be, it could be that it, it's following, following some, some pretty well-defined rules, but it's, it's being given kind of a like chaotic input somehow. Mm. It's something that you see in nature all the time. For example, if you look at the branching of a tree, on one hand, it's a very simple function, right? It's you, you have like the trunk and then the trunk splits into a branch and the branch splits into two smaller branches. That goes on for a little while. Mm -hmm. And on a, a physical, like literal describing where each thing is and the, the shape of every single branch, uh, mm -hmm it's it's like impossible it's, it's just so complicated right mm -hmm. and, and like irregular there's an irregularity that happens when you and that, that's the result of how you have this very simple function interacting with randomness i think i think at one point <laughs> Nick, when i was in boulder and doing edibles with maddie i decided that should be called a dirty fractal <laughs> tree because it's it's not exactly self-similar but it's it's like <laughs> yeah self-similar enough in like a yeah like uh -huh. kind of a distorted way yeah um <laughs> <laughs> and so what i'm saying is if you have a world uh, a simulation like that where it's a set of functions playing out across randomness then that would be a non-deterministic world because you're finding out what happens as time progresses. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think it all rests on how you're getting your random input. Mm -hmm. And if that is that is through some like quantum process that is that is non-deterministic, then then I guess it makes sense to call the whole thing non-deterministic. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah, this is like an open question in, in physics. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
Look at us music teachers right on the cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> so, in such a kind of simulation, then it's not a literal representation as much as it's a creative enterprise. Right. Well, I guess uh, it also kind of connects to to the you know the, the reason uh, the simulation is being run is is probably because they don't know what's going to happen right mm. i mean wh why would you run a simulation if you could if you already knew what it was going to do yeah exactly yeah right <laughs> totally <laughs> but it, it kind of gets back to the the like chaos versus randomness thing hmm. because chaos isn't necessarily random it's just sufficiently complex that you can't uh predict it mm. but that doesn't make it random yeah if you did have actual random input then that you could probably consider that random. Mm -hmm. And so if they they are doing an ancestor simulation, then those simulations don't precisely recreate a past moment from their from their base reality. It's just that they only generate a new experience based on existing or on new themes. Right, right. I mean, there probably wouldn't be a way... Yeah, there there wouldn't be a way to guarantee that it would be exactly the same thing mm -hmm. that happened before. Yeah. Because um, again, again, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so and so because it's all a creative process, then there's two sorts of simulations that we can make here. There's the kind that's attempting to most accurately recreate what happened, which is still a creative enterprise, but then. We can also spend energy and say, well, what would happen if, what if these constraints were different? What if things happened in a slightly different way? Yeah, that, that'd be, that would be the thing that, I, that would make the most sense, like the, the goal that would make the most sense. Yeah. Of course, of course we're speculating, speculating on the motivations and reasoning of, of highly technologically, <laughs> like even, even post, you know, post human or post whatever they are. Mm -hmm. beings that we can't really we can't really Post pretend to know too much about what their, <laughs> their motivations would be <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so then we all we can say is here are a couple options that we thought of right there's the yeah from our perspective mm -hmm. and so the point that i'm going to drive towards and i'll uh i'll walk towards this in a minute but what i'm gonna try to get at is that this kind of simulation is non-distinct from dreaming. Hmm. Right? Because if you think about what a dream is, it's you're taking elements of your past life, your past experiences, and mixing in uh, an element of what would happen if, and then you're running a simulation and seeing how, how it plays out. Uh, I think it's way more complicated than that. <laughs> How so? Well, I mean, from from what I understand, your your dreams are your are your subconscious is your subconscious mind kind of mm -hmm. working through things and piecing them together in kind of a a weird way. And I don't think it's necessarily it's not as exact as here's this event that happened. Let me simulate what it would have happened if this thing had been different. It's like, oh, I'm thinking about you know uh this awkward date i have and also this awkward date i had the other day and then also the fact that my car is is broken and you have a weird <laughs> dream where like okay <laughs> you know those two things get get combined in a weird way and, mm. and uh and then you know that that produces some some weird like other effects that aren't you know and there's things that seem elements that seem completely random there maybe you know an event that happened years and years ago that you keep thinking about for some reason like that <laughs> that comes into play yeah okay I, I take your point um so but but still let me say that there these are two things that do happen when you dream right you have your kind of dreams that are like working through something that happened where you just kind of play it over and over again and maybe in variations um maybe it gets mixed up with other stuff but 
at, at its core, you're working through understanding that thing that happened, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the other kind of dream is the kind where it's just anything could happen. It's it's playing what if. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think you can have dreams that incorporate both of those elements in varying degrees. Mm-hmm. And how does that connect to, so you're saying those are both similar to a simulation, to being in a simulation? Yes, at least similar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the obvious parallel to dreams, right, is the fact that you can't distinguish them from reality, like, most of the time. Right. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our brains can be tricked very easily. So, we have simulations that are pruned they're incomplete and we the uh we're taking out elements that we think are unnecessary so that the simulation can proceed right mm-hmm. so yeah so it doesn't take up like too much processing power yeah totally so so we have this world that's kind of selectively chosen which elements are being looked at now wouldn't it make sense that which elements are determined to to be relevant to the simulation are dependent upon the entity creating the simulation right they're making the decisions about what to keep and what to cut out well i mean wouldn't it it would have to do with uh with what the the simulated beings are doing right it wouldn't necessarily be up to the to the simulators i mean i guess that they could control how much we're able to see and therefore how much they have to simulate right like they can make it the simulation so that like you know your your vision didn't stop uh at the walls of the room you're in you could see you know like forever you could like see through stuff and like see through the earth and then they would you know then they would have chosen that you know you could you could see that much but but the way it's set up, you can only see, you know, within the room and you're, you can't see through solid objects and that kind of thing. Hmm. <laughs> um, but like, <clears throat> they can't simulate the entire universe, right? So they're only taking a particular subset of what's going on and simulating that. Right. And so right. there's a decision there to say, we're going to make a simulation of this particular part of the universe and not the whole thing, mm-hmm. not some other part. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah, yeah, I mean, this is all, this is all assuming that the, <laughs> the most interesting thing about a simulation would be the conscious beings in it, which I guess we don't really know. Right. I mean, they might not be interested in us at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a decision. Like they, they could look at us or yeah. they could look at a rock somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, or like you know the actual universe with all the the galaxies and and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so who is observing the simulation, and how does that observation fundamentally change the nature of what's being simulated? Uh, I mean, doesn't that have to do with with whether they're they're tweaking it at all as it goes along? Well, well, it, regardless of if they're tweaking it or not, they're still making decisions about what what to focus on. And so mm-hmm. an observation would make a determination, uh, an observation of the simulation would make a determination and collapse any quantum uncertainty, creating a deterministic world. That is interesting. Yeah, like the the <laughs> whoever created the simulation, like them observing the simulation, would collapse the the wave function of the actual simulation. That's that's uh, that's interesting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And so this is also yeah. weirdly interesting because, again, the universe, the simulation that's being perceived is uh being determined by the perceiver who is who's perceiving it right the, the the creator or whoever whoever's observing well 
actually, I mean, let's backtrack a little bit because I, I think it, it's uh, it's often misconstrued that that uh, the collapse of the wave function or the, the branching, whatever, has to do with specifically with conscious observers. Hmm. But it's, really, it's, it's just like the relationship between that and other other objects. Yeah, yeah, it's interaction mm -hmm. with other other objects. Totally. So I don't know. I don't know if that quite works. No, I think it does because uh, so by interacting with the simulation, the perceiver or the the observer is making a determination about what the shape of that simulation is in at that moment right by seeing how it relates to itself uh what do you mean by seeing how it relates to itself like um, by, by just observing what's happening so so by by looking at the simulation the entity is in effect saying how do those molecules in the simulation interact or how are they in relation to what I am, the molecules that make me up. Mm -hmm. And that would be a different situation if the entity were a different ent entity. Right. Like no, ma no matter what they, even if they don't do anything, that's still based on the fact that they're what they are. Exactly. And, yeah. And any, any other slightly different entity would, would, act in, in a slightly different way maybe yeah and would maybe shape a simulation that focused on different elements mm -hmm. and so in a really fundamental way shape the the outcome by the fact of of them observing it yeah i, I don't know how much that has to do with like the quantum mechanics thing it's just that uh Anyone who's who's slightly different is going to have slightly different actions that they take towards, you know, monitoring or, or intervening with the the simulation. Yeah, totally. But I guess regardless, they're still going to make a determination by observing the simulation and therefore uh, creating a deterministic world. Mm -hmm. yeah you, you can't yeah you, even if there's there's no like actual tweaking you can't really get away from from the observers like interacting with with the simulation somehow like in yeah. like influencing it somehow in, in like subtle ways i guess yeah because if you have uh let's let's for a moment postulate that in order to have consciousness you have to have non-determinism if that were the case, then by making a determination, by observing it, they're creating a system that is not conscious. I, I don't think that's true. I mean, I don't think that the, <laughs> the premise is true. Why not? Uh, I mean, we don't know enough about either determinism or consciousness. To so you say don't whether... know that it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have, I have, yeah, I, I have no reason to think it's true. Or uh, false. Yeah, it just seems like an arbitrary <laughs> claim to make. <laughs> I don't know. It's something that seems, is weird. It seems intuitive to me that that has to be the case. And maybe there is a way I could make a, a proof, but I, I don't see it today. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the way it would have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another question. If So if perceiving it affects the outcome, would you get a different outcome if you were to observe every single instant of the simulation than if you were to wait till the end and s just saw what the outcome was? Hmm. <laughs> yeah it depends uh yeah it depends how much how much you're influencing it by just just checking it and looking at it mm -hmm. um and i mean and 
yeah, I, I don't really know if we can make the assumption that 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 looking at it would change it because I mean, well, uh, at this point we're talking about a very very advanced civilization, right? So I have to assume that if they wanted to ensure that they were having literally no effect on it by monitoring it, they could they could do that. I don't know if that's a fair assumption. I don't think that that's necessarily a boundary that could be transcended by technology. Uh, but I mean, we don't don't we already have kind of don't we already kind of have things like that? I mean, like, uh, I, I guess it depends. It depends on, yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm just thinking about you know simulations of of uh, galaxy formations and that kind of thing. Um, like those those don't really depend on you know, they're they're incredibly complex. Um, but they don't they're not going to change depending on if you you know check the numbers halfway through or something Mm. but aren't those uh, predetermined systems like the the first kind of algorithm we were talking about where it's just there's no randomness added in i don't really know i have to imagine there's some kind of like stochastic stuff happening because it's it's a lot it's really complicated and there's lots of you know particle interaction and that kind of thing Hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not even that I don't think is, you know, anywhere close to the complexity that would be required to, to produce conscious experience. Well, so, so what it seems to me though, if they were looking at every instant and following along with that simulation, seeing how it relates to themselves, that would be quantizing it onto their plane of existence and if you have a true simulation it has to be able to be not quantized i mean i think it doesn't a true simulation have to be quantized because it's running on a computer (laughs) oh (laughs) (laughs) if you're enjoying what you've heard so far there are lots of ways you can help us out you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a nice review. Uh, you can even send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com or go visit our website at postwavepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Maybe let's uh, let's shift gears. So, so one thing uh, Bostrom brings up that I hadn't really thought about, uh, uh, kind of kind of connects to our, our antinatalism conversation. Uh, just the idea of of maybe maybe the a possible reason that that uh, civilizations don't run these simulations <laughs> is that they see it as unethical, right? Because uh-huh. <laughs> generating the suffering of like billions of beings. <laughs> They were right all along. <laughs> but, yeah, that uh, that seems like a pretty pretty arbitrary standard. Oh, uh, what do you mean? To 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 say that that is like on a fundamental level unethical. I mean, I mean, when you, uh, when you at least argue that anyone creating that kind of simulation should take that consideration seriously. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, you're you're literally like a god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's for you. Everything is exists for you. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> if you want them to suffer for your amusement, then that's your right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have the constitution. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if if we are in a simulation and 
and there is all this suffering, then if we create a simulation, there should also be suffering. It seems fair. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe if, if you take the idea of, of like ancestor simulations, literally, if it's, if it's advanced humans simulating previous generations of humans, then mm -hmm. I guess there's really no way around simulating with all the, the suffering that exists right now in, in 2020, because it's possible that when they're creating the simulation, you know, they have every, every, you know, basically every problem solved and they have AGI and, and it's like a utopia or whatever. Yeah. I also wonder if, if being able to create like completely realistic simulations and simulating consciousness will occur at the same time or before or after we're able to, uh, do something like, uh, mind uploading. Hmm. Like, I wonder, I wonder how those two things are, are related. It seems like maybe it would just streamline the transition. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost feel like, uh, creating a, a conscious simulation would be easier than mind uploading just because mind uploading has this barrier of like just mechanically it's it's hard to wire your brain up without just killing the person mm -hmm. to wire it up, up like fully enough yeah tra transferring all of that data without loss mm -hmm. so it seems like mind-boggling enterprise yeah yeah and we already really know like what it would mean to transfer the data, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can do the thing where, you know, you, you basically just, you know, double the size of your brain where the other half is, is electronic. And then, and then just start piece by piece, removing the, the biological part. But yeah, I kind of want to get back to this, this ethical thing though. Cause, uh, so, so you don't, you don't think that's, uh, that's like a, a plausible argument for why why most super intelligent civilizations don't create these simulations. Yeah, I don't think so because while maybe a civilization could come to that conclusion, it seems to me that it's entirely possible to come to any number of conclusions regarding what would be considered ethical. For example, if you're just creating simulations and just to see what will happen, you don't know what will happen. Some of what will happen is bound to be suffering. And that's just a consequence of the exploration of the playing. Right. And so that doesn't make it non-ethical because that form of existence would never have gotten to happen if it weren't for that exploration. Right, right. Well, that that gets to the question of of like, is it worth it to exist if you have to have to suffer that much? Yeah, we've been over this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's also like, what what is the what is the simulating civilization getting out of it? Yeah, and and, and then like, yeah, it would be like understanding what their ideals are. Are they striving for like progress at that point or are they sort of like a Zen-like state where they have achieved everything that they want and now it's just play. Now it's just for fun to see what happens, mm -hmm. which I think on some fundamental level is kind of what existing is all about. Yeah, <laughs> having having fun while you're here. Yeah, observing <laughs> yeah. what is here and reveling in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I think this also gets to the question of whether there's, you could have a universal theory of ethics or anything like that. Like if every, or at least as as uh, as species get more intelligent, do they do they automatically con converge to some kind of more ethical, like true true like system of of uh values that that is somewhat objective or something hmm. or maybe but it seems 
equally plausible that it could go the other way. Maybe it was, once you have that sort of like li life security of a culture that doesn't have to worry about itself surviving, then maybe from that perspective, it doesn't matter so much if, um, if there's suffering or death or any of that because they don't need to grow towards a better manifestation of themselves in order to survive. Hmm. So it's all about the playing. Yeah. But again, at the expense of, of <laughs> conscious beings that are um, other conscious beings. Well, because you could value existence by the extent to which there is diversity of experience and so if, if you have a more diverse experience even ones that incorporate suffering that is a richer world than one that limits itself to only those with minimized suffering yeah i, I think i see your point yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, and and if the I guess if it was a simulation without any suffering, it would probably be a pretty boring simulation. Yeah, totally. It's <laughs> like Alan Watts says, like yeah. if you could dream anything, first you dream you have superpowers and like big bags of money and you could fly around and stuff, and then eventually you'd get bored of all that and you'd want a little bit of spice, maybe some like I don't know fear of death. And so you'd dream as a world where you didn't know that you were invincible. And, and eventually, with after enough iterations, you would just dream your own world right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful idea. Yeah. And so this ties back in with my idea that creating a simulation since it's an exploration in the same sense it's, it's kind of that same kind of dreaming that alan watts talks about where you're basing in part you may be basing it on your past experiences but also you're just exploring what happens what happens when we connect these things in these novel ways and if you have that kind of dreaming and that's like what you probably live in <laughs> um, mm -hmm. then it seems it seems to me more likely that there is no base reality that it's just like an endless chain of dreaming all the way down Hmm. How, how do you explain the, the running out of uh, computing power? Like like on the upper level simulations? Yeah, yeah. Maybe the simulations become progressively more abstract in the same way that like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy is less and less accurately representing the original experience um mm -hmm. and, and okay so if you have a base reality then you, you you have that progression away from accuracy but if you have an infinite chain of simulations each simulating another one then you have an element of reality in each of them and so that could result in a fluctuation of, of form that doesn't need to have a hierarchical structure so you said each each of those simulations has an element of reality yeah and so so this is actually one of the most interesting things for me about the Bostrom essay here in his essay he has this sentence he says while the world we see is in some sense real 
it is not located at the fundamental level of reality. So what do you think he means? What In what sense is that world real? Uh, sorry, say that one more time. He, he says, while the world we see is in some sense real, it is not located at the fundamental level of reality. Yeah, well, I think what he means by real is is anything that you're consciously experiencing has to be real. Like I like it's it's the whole uh, I think therefore I am. Mm. I, I can only know that I'm thinking and perceiving, and that kind of has to be your your baseline, right? Truth that just you're having some conscious experience. So they, I think that's that. That's kind of the only thing we have to define as real. Okay, that we're for sure of. Wow, I think that's what he means. Okay, cool. That that's awesome because if that's true then that is always the center from which the ideas spring. And so if you have a simulation that simulates another simulation, but then the thing that you simulated is also the center of where ideas come from, then the next simulation doesn't have to be any lower resolution. Um. I guess I'm not quite following you. Because <laughs> there's that question, right? Is it real or is it not? And what you're saying is no matter where you are, if you're in a simulation or if you're in base reality, you're having a real experience if there's consciousness. Right. Well, I I think what would happen if it was like an endlessly cascading series of nested simulations is eventually you'd get to a level where there's not enough power left to compute consciousness like i think mm. that, would, that would have to happen at some point yeah interesting maybe maybe um i guess it would depend on the amount of loss from one simulation to the next right yeah yeah or ha yeah how much how much you're able to compress consciousness and still have the phenomenon Hmm. Okay, interesting. So there may be uh, weird metaphysical constants that pertain to how much compression consciousness can take before it's not consciousness anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Well, I, mean, I guess I guess that also it, it uh, related to the question of like our animals or like which animals are conscious because I'm sure some animals have to be. Oh, of course. But like how, yeah, like how, how complicated does the system have to be to, to to exhibit consciousness? And it could be, you know, if panpsychism is true, like not complicated at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think if panpsychism is true should be your like slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor is panpsychism is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. It's going to be like the fourth or fifth episode you've said that in, <laughs> which is awesome. It, it's it's like, it's interesting that that idea keeps coming back as like a relevant concept. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would just connect so many different things. Hmm. And I mean, we tend to talk about consciousness a lot, so I don't think it's any, it's not really an accident. <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing it up that many times. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a hippie. I'm sold. Rocks are rocks are conscious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so one more thing I wanted to talk about, kind of along the lines of uh, ethical stuff, but uh, not so much with the ethics of of starting a simulation, but with the fact that, uh, like Foster mentions that, and anyone simulating a a a bunch of conscious beings would be like a god and and that brings up the possibility that we could be judged for our actions and and punished <laughs> or you know the simulation could be adjusted somehow <laughs> uh and and if we're in a series of nested simulations then everyone has to consider that like uh they have to be concerned about the the judgment of the beings that are like a level above them or sorry <laughs> We have to be concerned about the beings that are level below them and that, you know, the level below them that are, you know, 
they have to be concerned about the simulators and the simulators of the simulators and, and both of those like ethical judgments. <laughs> uh, that's cute. <laughs> there is a hell. Although I, I maintain, I still maintain my where we're eternally looping our, our consciousness, even, even in the case of a simulation. Oh, so. It still holds. Uh, well, just because even even a simulation, uh, even if it's you know even if our whole life is being actually run in, in the real time in you know in the the base reality in like you know two seconds or something, hmm. those two seconds are still gonna get you know they're still eternally gonna happen. Right, right, because the the form of the computer that is representing all of those ideas that is your life is able to present that information in such a succinct way that it can span only those two seconds. Right. I mean, that that's assuming that time works exactly the same way in, in base reality that it works in our, in our simulation. Yeah. Which, well, and, and that I'm, well, no, 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 because, what it's saying, I think, ultimately, is that you are in base reality. Even even if you're in a simulation, your body exists as the computer in base reality. It just takes a diff- different form than you think it does. <laughs> Right, even if, even if it's a computer within a computer, it's still it's there's some, still something that exists in in the base reality that that represents you. Yeah, in some really abstract way. Yeah, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I never really like, uh, thought about it. Yeah, and, and so in that sense, you could have like consciousness in a simulation because it's it's all just the form of of that one structure that 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 initial computer Thank mm-hmm. you.